On August 31st, 2023, The Tragical Hip dropped the first track from the Phantom Power 25th Anniversary Boxed Set, a song called Bumblebee. I will always remember this day because my friends Dan from London, Pete, and Tim were in Toronto for our big live finale, and the four of us were off to Kingston to visit the Bad House and sightsee the tragically hip scenes in Kingston. The first thing we did inside the car was fire up Bumblebee. It was so odd to hear something so familiar, but so new to my ears. I hadn't heard this melody or these bending guitar licks before, and I wanted more. Lucky for us, there are several other tracks included on this box set. Songs we either hadn't heard, or maybe we've heard snips and pieces of in live performances, or maybe on a bootleg. And of course, there are complete song ideas that wound up on Gord's first solo record, Coke Machine Glow. There is also a fantastic live show from Pittsburgh, demos, and alternate versions of songs that did make the final cut. In essence, this is an exciting time to be a hip fan. Although we are all collectively gutted that we'll never see our boys on stage again, as long as I've been a hip fan, I've clamored for these songs that somehow wound up on the cutting room floor, and I'm sure you have too. Today, we'll get a sense of what Dan, Pete, and Tim think of the reissue, and we'll speak with a very special guest about the making of this spectacular box set, and so much more. So sit back, relax, and let's start getting hip to the hip. Long Slice Brewery presents Getting Hip to the Hip. Hey, it's JD here, and welcome back to Getting Hip to the Hip. This is a, an out-of-sequence uh, bonus episode for everyone. Uh, we are going to be talking today about the box set of Phantom Power, and I am joined, as always, by my friends Pete and Tim, and today's special guest again, Dan from London. How's it going, everybody? Well... Dan, Dan got his ears lowered. Looks like Dan got his ears lowered. <laughs> yeah, I lost some hair over the course of the last thing, yeah. He was sure. Well, maybe it was his younger brother stepping in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, fellas, when we last left off and we talked about Phantom Power, uh, I recall the conversation really revolving around fireworks. You guys both really loved uh, that song. Um Something on was a little underwhelming for you. You got into poets. You thought that was a good kickoff. And uh, here we are just like six months after, <laughs> not even six months, but like four months after releasing that episode. And the Tragically Hip goes out and releases a 25th anniversary box set uh, of Phantom Power. So we thought it would be cool to get the band back together and talk about that for a little bit. And we'll be joined by a very special guest who we won't uh, reveal quite yet. Um, 
Is there anything that in particular, Pete or Tim, you remember about your experience with the record thinking back and Dan, for you following one of them, uh, what, what was your experience with the record in general? Um, it's funny cause I, I went back and I found my notes from the original and it's, it's just crazy to look at. It's like, it's a, it's a time, it's a time capsule because yeah, there were certain songs that was like, eh, this is good. And like, and now I look at like some of the songs that I was, um, you know, goo goo and gaga over it. And I love fireworks, but I mean, by, by and far you know, Bob Cajun is probably one of the most just, I mean, it's on loop in my home. So many, on so many days you out of the week. listens to it as well, right? Oh yeah. She absolutely loves that song. We were listening to the live version today. We went for a hike and, uh, Cherigan falls, uh, poets is like, I think didn't, um, didn't, uh, goodness, 50 mission. Didn't they, they, they came out with poets when they played yeah. the live yeah. event. That song just, I had like one line written for that song. And this is the line. This is how sad it is. Dig it. First phrasing is is key to the song. Lines go to the next measure. Layers and guitars, nice. And now I'm just like, I hear that song and I just fucking stop what I'm doing. And I just like, I fucking love that song. It's, it's crazy <laughs> how this album grew on me like a, like a fucking virus. It's amazing. Timmy, great, Dan? yeah, great, great question, JD, for sure. I mean, they, I there's still a few on it that I'm not a super fan of. Just to just to start off being negative here, <laughs> like um, the rules to me is still a yawner, you know. But like, I I kind of dig Chagrin Falls more than I did last time. I don't think I was anti in in emperor penguin i've read so many times across platforms that people love emperor penguin and that song slowly growing on me too so it's one of my faves you know yeah there's there's still some really good ones in there i i you know thompson girl i could still live without so oh that's another one that grew on me timmy i I feel you i grew on you know with the new songs and this is a question for a few minutes ahead but you know somebody asks with the new songs are any of those potential replacements for what's on the original Oof. so yeah that that got me thinking a little bit tim why do you always have to embroil things in controversy i mean that, that just that's a controversial question i mean <laughs> no, probably because just... of aliens i guess Oh, stop it. <laughs> Dan, what Daniel, did you think of Phantom Power? Daniel? Uh, I mean, Phantom Power is an absolute solid album. It's uh, it's just a kicker, isn't it? I mean, um, I, I always love Something On. I think it was the first track I got into off that album. And um, I, I still absolutely love it. I, th- I think that song kicks ass. Um, something about the bass drum and the bass just driving it and the timing is, is just fantastic. Obviously um yeah bob cajun uh that always used to come on at a certain point on my commute when i was arriving in a certain station and um i now still have uh overwhelming feelings when i when i pull into that station <laughs> so songs effect i mean uh yeah I, 
I can't believe how 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 big a song can be. You know how how overwhelmingly amazing a song can be. Um, but yeah, I, I mean the other stuff. I mean, Escape is at hand. I think is is just my favorite track on the album. Yeah. You know, <laughs> again, it's it's a whole other different story and different sentiment that it carries. And I, I, yeah. I don't know. I I, I think that is a, is a, is a is a Bob Cajun and, and Escape is at hand. I think that that just works a genius, and I I can't say much more than that. Yeah, yeah. You nice. know the loss. The loss related with Escape is at hand is so relatable for me, and probably everybody. But that I don't. I I I tend to lean live with you, Dan. I I think Escape at Hand is there's something about that song that just hits home. I think probably for most people. Maybe not think, sociopaths. I don't know. Maybe not. I think Dan, you hit on the point. Like it's crazy how how songs, even if you listen to them and enjoy them, it's like they get to a point where you've listened to them so many times, and perhaps the same situation, like you said, pulling into that particular tube station or whatever it is, that like maybe you don't hear it for a while, but then you hear it again, and just like a flood of memories <clears throat> and images come back. Just weird how the human brain works, man. I mean, this uh, it, summer we were go. Oh, go ahead. I mean, I just I was just going to say also in terms of that as well. It's the same station that um I, I come into. I used to come into every time Fiddler's Green came on as well. So there's, there's oh, a particular yeah. timing oh, on the man. albums where some of this stuff happens. That's cool. That's cool. So, have either have any of you guys had a chance to listen to the to the bonus tracks or the outtakes or the live show or or any of it like i mean and if you haven't that's cool all of it of course all of it yeah 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 i'm just happy to have more live music from these guys for the yeah. obvious reason it's a nice why. sounding, sh- so, nice sounding you know show. i, I re- yeah i read some kind of critiques so it's not the best sounding live show they played i mean who cares you know it's it's i'm just happy to have more live music that's that's an easy go-to wherever i am in the car on a plane whatever so as far as the new songs go yeah back to your question yeah i i dig most of them you know i don't know i i'm not there yet i wouldn't say i'm there yet i i kind of like them all for different reasons Vegas Strip maybe the least, but I like I like all these songs. I haven't yeah. gotten to a haven't gotten to my, it yet. It's, it's my least favorite, but I still really like it. Yeah, like Songwriters Cabal isn't my favorite, but I love that song, you know? Yeah. Um Mystery, just lastly, Mystery is kind of a phenomenal ending to this group of songs. You know, it's just this somber kind of tearjerker. So yeah. Yeah, that was, that was that was a happy listen. Enjoyment. Uh, either of you fellows dabble? I I I dabbled today and a couple days last week, not yesterday, but I think Thursday and Friday in the fly stuff. Um, which I concur with Timmy. I I just love the live shit, and I don't give a fuck if it was a, you know, if it was a tape recorder jammed behind a, a you know bathroom stall and you got it picked it up in the background it's just cool to hear this band live but exactly um, loved it um of the new tunes 
I, I, I agree. I'm not there yet, but I, I got, um, I, I did hear Bumblebee a lot when that came out because that dropped mm-hmm. first, if I'm not mistaken, right? It dropped yep. the day we yep. went to Kingston. So we listened right. to it on the yeah. way to Kingston. That yeah. was kind right. of fun. That's right. But um, I would say of the new tracks, I think the strongest one is Insomniacs. Me too. I, I just think it's very oh. bar brawling, fucking harking back, just cool fucking, just has that cool, easy fucking hip early shit to it early feel yeah to it. yeah you know has the road apples feel to it or something yeah 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 yeah, yeah i agree yeah, with it's that a strong I, tune. I, I like that too i could be swayed okay dan yeah and uh, i mean for me i've um yeah I've, I've i've listened to the uh the 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 extra tracks i mean i i i, I still love bumblebee um there's uh, something about that with the the guitar bends um, that like, I mean, I, I think we we next sort of hear those kind of guitar bends on uh, my music at work. Something very similar happens towards the end of that, doesn't it? Hmm. Um, but in terms of the the live stuff, um, you know, there's there's a few there's a few little things going on in there. I mean, obviously, like um, when you get down to hundredth Meridian, meridian there's um kind of you know improvised extract of uh bumblebee in there which is uh fantastic and also you know in um uh yeah the chagrin falls live version he he breaks into born free but in the uh, the the alternate version of um uh, chagrin falls he's singing chagrin falls with a born free kind of lilt to it so there's these kind of little parallels between some of the stuff that's been chosen, I think. Yeah. So maybe that's the reasons for uh, some of those selections. Yeah. To, for but, choosing uh, this live, this live, those live cuts, you mean? I think so. Yeah. 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 There's so definitely the some, options. some thread woven throughout. Yeah. Too bad well, we don't we have anybody some, to we ask. Might some, <laughs> we might get some insight from our special guest. Uh, yeah. Maybe we should kick to him right now. We'll go to a song and then we'll come in with uh, our special guest, Johnny fucking Faye.
Hello, hello, hello. Oh, I hear you guys now. There we go. I'm, oh, good. Am I, am I good? Am I good? Yeah. Hello. Hi, Johnny. Hey. How's it going? Johnny. Good. Doing well. Sorry about that, well, Snafu. Hi, that's my fault, not yours. I'll take full credit for that. We're just waiting for one more to join. Okay. And he's uh, in the waiting room now. Oh, there he is. Amazing how everything just clicked and then johnny came on because we were having some severe right. problems right <laughs> yeah there you yeah. go dan can you hear us yeah absolutely awesome can you hear me yeah grant dan how you, how you doing technically there dan are you good <sighs> can you hear me i can hear you i can see you perfect so then are we're you good. done are you done taking dan, the mcdonald's Dan's in london London? Dad's in London, yeah. Yeah. Hi, John. My dad, my dad's hometown. He's from Woolwich. Woolwich, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. South and we got river. to Canada. We got to Canada, and some friends would say, "Are you from London, Ontario, or London, uh, London, England?" And my dad would just shoot back. He goes, "There's only one London." Ooh. <laughs> Although they have a Thames in the, the with a Canadian one. Ooh. Anyway, that's beautiful. Funny. Isn't there London, Missouri, or something too? There's a London. The oh, US. they're all over the. They're yeah. all over the place. Yeah. What's the deal with that? What's the well, deal? I think there's one in India also. <laughs> yeah. You can't throw a shoe without hitting a London. Is basically <laughs> yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get things uh, on the road here, uh, Johnny. Just a brief introduction. We've ran a podcast from May two four to Labor Day this uh, summer where I took my friends that have never heard of the hit before. One is in Spain, Malaga. Uh, one is in Portland, Oregon. That's that's Tim, and that's Pete, who is from Spain. And then Dan is from London. And we took them through a record a week, uh, starting with the Baby Blue record and working up to Man Machine Poem and um, just inculcated them into the world of wow. the Tragically Hip. Yeah, and it was... a. We ended up with a big party at the end downtown uh, in, at the rec room. Cool. We raised like almost four grand for Danny Wenjack. Oh, that's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that's our, that. our, our I'm story. sorry you had to get the music stuck down your throat like that. But... <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine, process. can you imagine doing it, Johnny, like of a band that you, you know, that you've never heard of. Right. And I've heard of you guys, but like, Never heard of you. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard it. 
but it's crazy how we did get it literally shoved down our throats. Yeah. And now yeah. we were going back today talking about Phantom Power, about how what our first reactions were for it. And even compared to now, how much everything's just grown on us. It's just like, and we're, you know, diehard fans now, but you know, go back a year from year from today, we didn't know. That's you know, incredible. Well, crazy, thanks for sticking <laughs> with it. <laughs> it's not always easy. My Spotify oh. algorithm is still totally convoluted, but you know, <laughs> a lot of a lot of hit playing in there. So, Johnny, let's, yeah. let's start at the start and 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 get to know a little bit about you uh, as the as the the drummer of the Tragically Hip. What and youngest were, member of the and youngest member. Ooh, that's nice. right. That's Look right. It's that. a dig. Love um. It. Because isn't it, it's Gord Sinclair's birthday today, right? It is indeed. Yes, yes. Yeah. I I had dinner with him and Paul the other night in uh, Toronto, and uh, we had a nice uh, we had a nice evening. And uh, you know, we're forty years young next year. What Crazy. You know, I was I, I was in high school when we started, and I guess here we are. Jeez! Wow. Who? Before you got into the band and as you guys were forming, um, you know, your sound and, and your, you know, cadence, who were your big influences? I've, I I know Stuart Copeland came up at one point. Uh, oh, without I've a heard doubt. A, yeah. I've heard a story about an exam or something like that that you missed. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> and we later ended up working with Hugh Padgham, the great British producer. And um, Synchronicity was coming out, and uh, it came out on the day before my um, my uh, math exam uh, for Mrs. Griffity. And, uh, <laughs> and I went and got this record, and uh, I listened to it. I'd heard Every Breath You Take in the radio, but then when I heard Synchronicity 2 and, you know, just the blistering drumming of Stuart, I, I just had to drink it all in and I, I remember making the decision i was like I, I can listen to this record i can study for the exam if i don't study for the exam i'm going to summer school which i did and then i took one day off to go see them at the olympic stadium in montreal but it was worth it because that was that was really my education was yeah, uh living eating and breathing and if you were a drummer in the 80s who uh, the guy he was instantly identifiable by a snare drum um, just the hit of one snare drum, there was Stuart Copeland. So, um, and this was a, an era of drum machines. Don't forget this was, sure, uh, sure. Lend drums and, and sequencers. And, and I loved all that stuff too. Absolutely did. But, you know, to be on the radio and, and, and Stuart was it, he was, he was, uh, and I'm still finding things out about him that he held the drumstick, uh, between two fingers. He didn't, he didn't hold it. He held it up here uh instead of the two fingers which is the traditional uh way to hold uh, uh the drumsticks but he invented a way to play and invented a kit which was a sound you know and he really yeah i can't say enough things about Stuart copeland yeah he's amazing but i'll also listen to alan white of yes who was fantastic and um of course uh you know neil peart uh a brush a pretty good pedigree <laughs> well you try and take a little bit from each guy you know 
you don't want to be a lab rat. You don't want to copy them. You want to just take all the little things that you like, the right hand from this guy, this, the snare drum from that guy, the bass drum. And, of course, the great, I saw him the other day, the Manu Kache, Peter Gabriel's drummer, who is the Oof. Picasso on the drums. He is hands down uh, our Picasso on, on drums. Uh, mm. I praise. Dan? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are your sort of uh, past influences. But um, who do you uh, enjoy listening to now? Who does it for you now? Well, it's really funny because um, what's on my turntable right now is uh, Heavy Weather uh, by um, um, Weather Report. And uh, I'm listening to Jaco Pistorius. I'm trying to get as much of him into me because he was he was the guy, really, you know. You hear Getty Lee talk about him. You hear. Um, so I, I'm listening to a lot of bass players um, these days and, and, and loving it. So that's what's going on. <laughs> I got I to gotta ask you, um, just because you mentioned synchronicity. Um, this is just a this is just a note. And if you didn't know it, then I think we brought it up with Paul. But do you know that that record had 33 different covers? I did. Yes, I oh, did. You did know. Um, okay. I didn't know that it had. I thought it had. I thought it had. Well, I guess it would because each guy was uh, sort of on one of the strips and it changed. Uh, but I didn't know there were 33. 32 or 33. But yeah, it was when I found and some some versions are rarer than others. But that record is. Uh, and that song Mother is just nuts. And isn't Stuart Copeland singing that song? No, that song is uh, Andy Summers. That's an Andy oh, Summers song. Andy Summers. And uh, it's just I heard a crazy. I heard a story with a with a they did part of it in the Morin Heights in Montreal, and the engineer said uh, asked Hugh if he could bump himself off a cassette in the day. And uh, in those days, you would there was no internet, so it was like it was cool. You know, the engineers uh, usually got to be able to do that. You know, here's a record I'm working on. Just happens to be with the police, and he asked. Uh, Hugh Padgham, if he could leave that song off, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people hated it. Yeah, uh, it's a hard song it. to listen to if you're not into the well, record. You know uh, what went into the trash bin was um, uh, "I Burn for You." That was slated to go on that record, and think about how that would have, you know, from from uh, Sting's soundtrack wow. uh, work would have changed that record. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> totally. I'm I'm a little curious of of then and now also. When you first started playing drums, I raised a drummer. I have a 21 year old who plays drums. Awesome. He's actually, yeah, he's he, the past year or so. He's been he's been out of the country and he's been more focused on DJing techno of all things. But he's you know can hear kind of a drummer influence. But anyways, you know we got him on hand drums early and drum lessons early and and I and I lived through you know a drum set in the basement just anywhere you went in my house you had to go outside to take a call it was just you know what was yeah. it like for you in your early years playing drums like what what pushed you over to the drum set or being interested in it and conversely do you still play now like do you still have access to a drum set or a drum set at home or great questions um number one um my brothers had a friend who uh had a drum set and they said to me they went and got the snare drum and they said, um, 
we'll give you the, we'll get you the snare drum and after a year if you're still playing we'll go get the rest of the drum kit and i was nice. still playing and so they did nice. um then i had an eye injury which um uh for three weeks i had both eyes uh uh, uh sort of uh, closed off with cotton batten and wow. um i i it was a really weird weird accident i still when i'm explaining it to people my dad was on the phone. He was a pediatric cardiologist and he was talking to the hospital and, and we were at a friend's house and they had this jar of erasers and pens and pencils and elastics. And he was talking and I remember he had his hand on my head like that. And uh, I grabbed an elastic band and a pen and I shot the pen into my eye. Oh, and oh. Um, yeah, it was very bizarre. I, I thought it was shooting at the other end. So oh, it went right in, wow. and I remember my dad saying to my mom, "Don't touch it. Leave it. Leave it." And she was trying to pull it out. Oh. And um, and um, so I went in, and uh, my sense of hearing was heightened. Uh, I could mm. hear my dad walk down the hall after he had his um, uh, morning rounds. I could hear the cadence of his footstep, and so uh, it, it, you know, for that three weeks where I was uh, unable to see, it just kicked that. At about seven years old, into uh, a different gear for me. I started wow. hearing rhythm everywhere, as you do with your indicator of your car, to sure. uh, you know industrial sounds, uh, trucks backing up. I can I can put a rhythm into it, like your son. His like you're saying about drumming, and now he's DJing. His internal clock is always going as a drummer because that's where he Absolutely. started. Absolutely, yeah. So it it was it's the same. Drummers are that way. You just you just pick those things up, and then. Second question. No, I'm not playing. Okay. I'm kind of doing what your your son is doing uh, with drum machines. But I have two drummers in the house, two nine year old boys, <laughs> and uh, one is a lefty. And nice. I would, set a I would set a kid up for him, and then uh, the other, my other son Finn, and then I would forget about Willie. And then uh, so I just said, well, I'm going to set it up on the left for you because he has a, a great acoustic kit, a set of Gretsch 1960s. And um, now I play left because I'm not the drummer that I'm not in, you know, I'm, I'm not that yeah. drummer anymore. So yeah. now I'm, I'm discovering all kinds of new things about playing on the left side and, and left-handed drummers I find are way more creative. Oh, I, we, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause we often notice when I've gone to shows with my son, we, we'll just say immediately that guy's left-handed, you know, you yeah. can just, you just see it like that. That's very cool. Very Ringo cool. was left-handed, they say, and that's why no one could ever duplicate the way he got around the kit. Yeah, you know, his yeah. his left hand pushed his right hand, I think. And Phil Collins, uh, Ian Pace, they're right. They're not. They're not good drummers. They're incredible drummers. Those two <laughs> guys, for me, Ian Pace and, and Phil Collins. Phil Collins does stuff that I listen to today, and I'm like, how is he doing that? How's he doing that? He he was incredible. He really was. Yeah. He is incredible. Johnny, Very you've cool. been you've been hard at work on the Fan of Power reissue, the box set, the amazing box set. I got it last week, and uh, it was so fun to open and just touch the vinyl. And you know the the book that's inside is is really is really wonderful. I'm just. I'm I'm so curious what a project like that entails like from a from a time perspective and 
I know you guys are hard at work on another one for next year. Like, when does that begin? And what does that process even look like? Like, is it just climbing Everest or what? It's it's really fun. It's really great therapy for us. You know, we get to talk about the past. And if one guy doesn't remember it, someone else will. Um, we have weekly calls. And um, it's uh, it's fun. We didn't do any therapy after uh, Gord passed away, and we really should have. Um, we have just all kind of dealt with things. And I think really right now that this is our therapy. I'm in Toronto, so that's where the tapes are. Uh, and I'm very happy to do it. And um, uh, we're digitizing things. And, and Phantom Power was a different one because it was in different formats. It was on D88, little digital tapes. Um, DAP machines were around and kicking at that time. We also had our two-inch machine and then Pro Tools, the dreaded Pro Tools was coming <laughs> in where you didn't have to make a decision and you could have a hundred tracks on something. And and uh, I was like the, you know, there was such economy when we were going to tape. Um, and, and I really liked that. So, you know, if you look at the early records, we're still... I think there's uh, the most that we used uh, was 18 tracks. You know, Don Smith would consolidate things and that was really a golden period. So it's, it's not as daunting as you think. Um, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. It's been a discovery, um, you know, uh, to listen to some of those tracks and hear Gord Downey speaking in between takes is, is really uh, be- these beautiful moments. So, yeah, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Robbie is in charge of the the box set, putting it all together. So okay. he's doing all of that stuff. Um, and you know, Gordon, Paul are very involved in it, but they have solo careers too. So um, you know, uh, but we all, we're all together on this. Uh, it's not me uh, just doing um, the tape stuff. They're they're involved in it too. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask in terms of the project from the offset, uh, you know, when you're going through the tapes and, and covering all of these tracks and these these different takes of the tracks that you have, what what shape, you know, were, were those tracks in? Did they require a, a lot of work to get them up to, to spec or was there anything that was kind of left off that was you regard as pretty good, but it was still a bit too rough around the edges to include? Well, um if we were, if we did any editing back in the day, if it was tape, we would, we would, um, we'd do chunk editing. We would take the ending of one uh, with the hip. We would, uh, play a tune and be great. be great. And then we would get to close to the end and then we'd anticipate the ending and I'd make the other guy speed up. So we get to, and then our, our producer would say, well, the ending of this one's good. So let's take the last four bars. So psh, there we go. There's the track. Um, so they were in pretty good shape. You know, uh, uh, the tape that we got was really forgiving. Um, the, the crazy thing is I heard about the Rolling Stones going back and doing uh, stuff that they did in the early 60s. And the early 60s tape actually lasted better than the stuff they made in the 80s. Like mm. they had to do very little, uh, you know, to get them back into shape, which is, mm. is cool. You got to bake them in a like a what essentially is an easy bake oven for tapes at a low temperature, and it just sucks all the humidity out. And uh, so, uh, record companies are are obviously very um, well prepared to do all that sort of stuff. And then it's just digitizing them. 
But when you first have a go through the tape uh, after it's been baked and it's coming off the head and going through a board at the studio, it, it never sounds better. I, you know, and they shoot it over to Pro Tools and they say, now we have it, uh, we have it. And I always say, well, it sounded better a few minutes ago <laughs> um, when it was going through the, the, the machine. And the, so, um, yeah, uh, tape is king. We lived in the golden age. We really did in the in the eighties and nineties uh, when you when you still were spinning tape. I stood before the songwriters' cabal, bearing gifts, drugs, alcohol. That's not enough and that's not all Wait over there till your number is called Step up to the mic and sing Voice tinkling like a chandelier They said don't be dragging those flimsy similes round here Before the songwriter's cabal All wide-eyed and enthralled Just to be included in all Exuding a warmth to the point of it all Music at once coming in benign Soothes the soul every time after time Like a bar card swiped down the register line I'm down the sidewalk with a tune on my mind Tell us more now than we believe Or tell us more than we already heard Won't describe the footsteps you're taking Or the horizon you serve Before the songwriter's cabal Number called, it rang through the hall Cleared my throat, stood straight and tall Stood before the songwriter's cabal Stepped up to the mic and sang Voice tinkling like a chandelier They said, first things first Don't be tossing them forlorn ornaments around Saying more now than we believe Or telling more than we already heard Or about how it's the heartbeats you hear And the horizon you serve Oh, it's the horizon you serve
So I imagined with coming across tapes, you guys did so much work, you know, in the recording process that I, I imagined it was just so fun to go through. It has been. It was, you know, but, you know, talk about uh, uh, Bob Cajun uh, being an example. We only really have two versions of that. Mm. And um, um, Gord Sinclair and I, you know, had a conference and, and we were like, well, we can play that again and we can play it better. And we were like, yeah, let's do it. And, and so the version you hear is the, the demo version, really. It's just uh, we said we would go back and address it later. I think we went on tour. And then it was Steve Berlin listening to it, which was really cool because he he recognized you can't beat your demo. And that's what <laughs> fans try and do. And he was so smart with it. And he said, I'll let you play it again, but you're not going to beat this. It's just there's a vibe there. And, and Gordon and I were like, we're going to beat it. We're going to do it. And we never did. And um, so I always loved that, that he did that because as a producer, I wouldn't have done that and i would have screwed it up if i was producing that record <laughs> and he had the brain power and the knowledge and he'd made so many great records before that he uh just he let us play it but we never beat it oh well, it's our I'm biggest glad. it's our biggest song too well I, I i was we were talking before i absolutely love that song that that song is the soundtrack of, of this past summer for my wife and i um <clears throat> oh you jammed it down her throat Oh, she's yeah, she's she drank the Kool Aid, man. Let me tell you, she she sure did. But cool. I've I've you, tried. We're we're getting there. Yeah. But the, you you that's the pocket of that song. You know, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, and and and, and if if Robbie was here, I'd maybe I'd maybe change it just just to be sweet to him. But it's you and Gord. It's just oh. that the pocket's so tight with that. But you said something earlier about tape, and I, I want to just touch on it real quick because you were talking about how they have Pro Tools and this and that, and how you would have made a different decision with Bob Cajun. But we cut a record in this last March. Our band we did a, our second record, and the the engineer was using Cubase, which is just another version of you know Pro Tools or whatever. You've got a million, you can do a million tracks, but like he was like, no, you're gonna do this many, and I'm like, no, no, no I don't like that. And he's like, nope, that's it. Yeah, because you get to a point to where you could just you just go crazy and you could do 25, 30 tracks, you know, on one take or 25, 30 takes. And it's just it's stupid at that point. you got to appreciate the moment that it is, you know, whether it's, you know, you're never better than your demo, like you said, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And and I don't know, I, I guess. There was and not to get off the topic of. Um, of uh of a phantom power but for me and i know we all had this um this reaction we felt like i felt like in between evolution was the johnny fay record um really yeah I and there's i don't remember that record really well you, yeah there's specific wow. thing that's crazy because there there's at, at the end of certain songs there's little you know hi-hat touch there's a rim shot there's just little sprinkles of you that are is the last sound you hear on multiple tracks and or or at the beginning of a track and i'm like i wonder if there's something to this but they must have just been the take that you guys did and it's taking up yeah, uh, maybe so that was confusing <laughs> record uh well it's interesting about the tape to address the tape thing yeah. when you ha have limitations uh you got to make decisions 
yeah. and you know, and I didn't say that. I read Keith Richards' book, and he was like, "Give me eight tracks, and I'll write you a hit." And you know, when they went to sixteen, he was like, "Nah, okay, but I can still do it in eight. And it's true, um, you know, that that the hundred guitar tracks or whatever, the layering, and and uh, it's just you know, those just Led Zeppelin records, John Bonham. I, I, I worked with a guy named Terry Manning and uh, he had uh, John Bonham got very upset with him uh, he, because Terry Manning said to me, I was the guy who put the third microphone on the drums. He didn't like that. He only wanted two. Hmm. He only wanted two. So um, yeah. Uh, In between evolution was uh, we worked with Adam Casper. who was fantastic. Obviously he's a guy who worked with Pearl Jam and we were very chuffed about working for him, with him. And uh, we seemed to move around studios a lot. For me, that was a little bit confusing. So I never knew what we really had in the can. And um, it was uh, in Seattle, where I love, I absolutely love Seattle. And so that was cool to be there. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't sort it's, of. Uh, it's just a record that's easy to associate with you. And I think at that, oh, that was the time, too, we were looking at like videos. And I remember talking about this video I saw of you. You were so in the friggin' zone playing live you broke a cymbal and somebody just came like middle of the song and you just kept going along replaced mike, cymbal. Uh, that that would be mike cormier he was he's my drum tech and he was amazing and uh yeah he could tell when they were broken so he yeah. was sort of mid-song and I, he'd say should i wait for the end of the song i was like no <laughs> just get rid of it <laughs> so um yeah um you know we're going we're going through something now where we're going back even further and with up to here and uh a question was asked earlier about is there some some songs that were left off and there was a song that was left off uh up to here and it it's called uh, wait so long and it was a really really special song our producer um and his manager and some people at the record company really thought that that was the lead track uh it ended up being blow it i dough i believe or new orleans is sinking um but wait so long is a great track and that will come out next year oh that's exciting we have a mix of it and everything from don smith so it's that's fully intact so ah, cool. when we look we looked through the tapes and thought oh what do we need to remix there was that one you know the lettering it was like okay we got that one and so that'll be that'll be great to get out and, nice. and you know hear nice. what people think about that so one of, one of our go ahead judy so i have an atmo system set up at home so i've been listening to the mix in um dolby atmos and uh i'm just curious about how that works when you're when you're doing a mix of that because there are instrumentations and sounds that i've never heard in those songs before and now all of a sudden yeah. they're they're shooting over my head and yeah. it's it's really fucking tremendous it's a great way to experience music but I just wonder what it's like. Uh, do you have a, a mixer that just takes care of that? Because I noticed there's there's three writing credits for mixers on the yeah. uh, on the album. So I'm just curious we, if one is just for Dolby had, Atmos or yeah. Well, uh, we had a guy in the uh, did the first couple. I think he did Road Apples, um, and uh, his name is Rich Chicky, and you might know him because he's done all the Rush stuff. He's like the the Rush in-house guy for Atmos. Uh, since then, we've had our uh, key engineer, Mark Fraken, 
has been doing the Atmos stuff because he built an Atmos room. But you're right on this one. Phantom Power has a lot of stuff. I was sitting at the back of the room when they were um, mixing that. And it's like there's some backwards guitars and some stuff yeah. that just goes out. And it makes sense. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm not the hugest fan of, I get it, you know, let's send the hi-hat into outer space. Changes the groove. <laughs> changes the groove for a, a five-piece band. I'm not going to lie. Um, on an album like Road Apples, which Rich did, and he did a great job, I just don't get it. On Phantom Power, which would be the closest thing that we would ever have to Dark Side of the Moon, I get it. You sit in the back of the room and hear the backwards guitar or stuff swirling around. It's cool. But um, I, I, I know I know people want this in their headphones and and uh, but I you know, I guess I'm a little bit like mono mix guy. I don't mind that either. <laughs> love it. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. Dan? I'm with you, Johnny. Um, coming back to the uh, other aspect of the the box set, which is the live recordings. Um, I mean, uh, what criteria do you sort of use for selecting the live recording? I mean, out of the the three that have been, you know, re released, obviously one was at the Horseshoe, but the other two have been from like American venues. Would you yeah. perhaps like choose the American gigs because they might be lesser known to a predominant Canadian audience, or I don't know how do you, how do you how do you choose? We pick a gig that has fewer clams in it and less mistakes. We just kind of really, <laughs> we really do. Uh, we did a live record called Live Between is way back in the day. And we argued about this. We had really sort of a good old fashioned uh, fight about it. And Gord Downey wanted um, one from this place called the 40 Watt Club, which we'd listened to. And it was a great, great um, version. It was a great night. And um, it's where REM, I think, got their start. And um, so we were sort of between that and another couple. Um, and then we ended up picking Detroit um, because it sounded good. Um, I think that's kind of what we go on when we're, we're picking these, um, these live uh, albums. And Gord Sinclair's son um, is the one who really goes through them and says, there's something here. He knows the hip really well. And so he really kind of directs us. There's so many tapes out there. Um, and so he, he sort of says this one um, from uh, Chicago, Second Night of House of Blues. This, this one's got something there. And so Colin Sinclair is really in charge of that. I don't think any other guy in the hip can take credit for it. Um, can I just ask as well, then? so what percentage of hip shows do you think were actually recorded, you know, documented? It would depend on the period. One tour we went out with D88 machines. Other uh, eras we let people tape, uh, like uh, Fish Show and or Grateful Head. We would set up a little area where they could get stuff off the board. Um, that was cool. And um, uh, there were some remote stuff. Uh, not a ton of um, uh, twenty-four track. Uh, tape stuff we we would do stuff for westwood one um most of this stuff is going to be in-house though you know or record company generated through a, a live truck uh usually in la or or new york we have one coming up from uh a show we did in the states uh for record day next right. year so cool oh. not a ton there's not a ton 
We got two scoops in this in this session. That's great. Wow. <laughs> that are coming out. Um, just well, you mentioned Zeppelin too. I, I was gonna ask you about Headley Grange, but I forgot what I what I uh what I was gonna say. You know where Bonham did that thing with the for for um when the levy breaks, you know? Yeah, well, they put the mics yeah. up on the stairs. God, that's so cool. But but no, the, that was Jimmy, song, that was Jimmy Page. That was Jimmy Page doing that. He engineered Page, that. Page thought yeah. that's that's such a it's such a I mean, never in, in history can anybody recreate that sound. I mean, it's just no, so cool. No. Um the, the sound of the, like a double bass almost. But, but people people don't understand that the, there's the economy of it. If you worked with one yeah. of these older guys, like I always say that that Don Smith was like our Rudy Van Gelder. He got it. He knew he kept on coming into the studio back in the control room. He would make the live room, the studio sound, the, the control room sound like the live room. And he was tweak constantly tweaking like that. Um, the guitar, uh, the, if you listen in the Zeppelin, um, it's all the stuff that's implied in the chords. I think um, the, the drums or what everything is hanging off of the guitars are really quite small, you know, you know, right. there's these these bands that came out in the eighties that were trying to be like Zeppelin used twenty-four microphones on the drums. It sounded horrible, you know. And and for John Bonham, it was just the way he played. He was really he had incredible jazz sensibilities, he had an incredible groove, and 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 he was able to move, you know. All all four of those guys were spectacular. We Monsters. went on the road with them. We went on the road with them, uh, a page and plant uh and through the states and it was Ugh. incredible yeah yeah never a nicer never a nicer guy than robert platt he was so so nice oh yeah that's 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 amazing uh, yeah i'm a huge i'm a huge zep fan but i just gotta ask you real quick about the song fireworks is there yeah. there's gotta be some rush influence in that i just hear so much like spirit of the radio in that tune it's just such a I think that when that song, when we heard that song on this record, Tim and I both, I was like, that was for our first favorite song on this record. Oh, like, that's just sweet. so cooks, Don Smith, Don Smith's mix on the box set is really interesting because for Phantom Power, we, uh, we mixed it three different times. Um, yeah. I mean, Neil, um, I, I got to meet him a couple times. He was obviously a huge influence and I would say, yeah. I went trick or treating as him uh, one year. I crank called him. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Amazing. Love Rush, man. Love Rush. J JD, be mindful of the, of the clock too on the thing. You're on mute. Yeah, we can't hear you, JD. Oh, sorry about that, guys. I was just going to say we've got a minute 45 left of this yeah. session before it cancels out. So, Tim, if you've got a quick mm -hmm. one, and then we'll bid adieu. Well, I just had one of our pod listeners asked about Bumblebee and basically was like, why didn't this make the album? You know, this it, it could fit in there so well. So just a quick comment on that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that was one that was... Uh, um that was on on the list and i think it just uh we just sort of uh court sinkler was putting the sequences together for that and it just for us there was just something maybe missing uh it's really great um and, and i love the line when the moon's a water balloon it just is so great that's so gourd 
you know, yeah, and and, true, and you true. Look, I look at every time I look up at a at a supermoon, and it looks like a water balloon. I think the board. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, well, it it made the box set, so that's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's right. important. Yeah, agreed. Well, Johnny, we really want to thank Thanks, you so Johnny. much for your time. Uh, it Thanks. means a lot. Um, and the thank you, the, gents, for for all your uh, uh, promotion to the hip. Uh, our pleasure. Cool. Um, keep ramming. Keep ramming it. <laughs> Hopefully not your family. They, you know. Nah, uh, they love but, it too. But. It happened. Thanks for listening to Getting Hip to the Hip. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review the show at gettinghiptothehip.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at gettinghippod. And join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fully and completely. Questions or concerns? Email us at jd at gettinghiptothehip.com. We'd love to hear from you. Dubra! Podcasts and such. Can't wait for the music at work box set as well. Just so you know. Just so you know. We're dying (laughs) for that one. Oh, yes, please. Please, Johnny. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The one that I was listening to last night and the demos are really great. and, And I'm really pushing for this one is in Violet Light. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 In Violet Light, the demos were just incredible.